Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome to the Fitbucks podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome there as well. Got an exciting episode today. Uh, with Miss uh, Teresa Richard. Um, some of you may know her uh, from her co- podcast, Swallow the Pride, or Swallow Your Pride, I should say. Um, really excited to have her on the podcast today, just to go through her background, really inspirational. Like just, I mean, the amount of stuff that you've done is is awesome. Um, and I'm not even going to try to go through your bio because it's, it's so long. I'll let you do that. Talk about some of the stuff you've been involved with. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, you're an SLP, speech language pathologist. Um, we're going to talk about all the things you've done from your business, to your courses, to your books, to all that type of stuff. Um, before we even get there, I want to go back, you know, years ago, you know, what influenced you to go that route to say, Hey, look, I want to go become an SLP. I want to do this. I want to do that. What What influenced you to go that route to begin with? Yeah. So gosh, I was, I think, I I think I was a sophomore in college and I was a fashion design major (laughs) and my father at the time was laid off from his corporate job that he had for 20 years. And he sort of just said to me, look, you need to find a career that is stable. You're never going to be the next Calvin Klein. I don't know what you think you're doing with fashion design, but you need to really reconsider we're finding a job with stability and something that you can help people. And, you know, of course, you know, teenage Teresa was really angry at her father at the time, but <laughs> took a few months and just, I think I ended up switching my major to psychology or something in the meantime, because I knew I wanted to get into some sort of health sciences or health field. I just didn't know what exactly. Um, so I did that for a few months. And then my mom had said to me, so I have an older brother that has cerebral palsy. And she said, you know, why do you consider speech pathology? And I was like, I don't really know what that is. I don't know, you know, why. And she's like, well, you've always been interested in helping your brother. He used um, augmentative alternative AAC, commutative AAC, augmentative alternative communication devices growing up. And mm-hmm. I was like programming them and working with a speech pathologist to help that, to help do that. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, maybe that would be cool. Cause I knew I didn't, I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a doctor, but I wanted to do something to help people. Um, so that was really it. So I, you know, I started doing the coursework for speech pathology, finished my bachelor's, finished, finished my master's. And I still didn't know what sort of, what population I wanted to work with, what I wanted to do. I went to work in the schools and I absolutely hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I do not want to work with kids. This is not for me. And I had a supervisor that was working in the nursing homes after school and she did swallowing evaluations. And I just thought it was so fascinating because I just think 
And I still do like how impactful is swallowing in everybody's everyday life. You know, you have that taken away from you. That is such a huge quality of life component. It's everything social. It's, it's psychological. It's what we do. It's, do you want to grab lunch? Do you want to grab a coffee? You know, let's have everybody over for Christmas dinner. It's a huge, huge social impact. So I just thought it, it was something that I could really feel fulfilled in pursuing and something that would just have a really profound impact on the patients that I worked with. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know just SLPs in general, they made a big impact on my life. Cause like you talked about like swallowing speaking uh, towards the end of last year, like, cause all the podcasts we do, all the workshops we do, I travel a lot. I got a lot of sinus problems too. So the combination of sinus, but then I also found out that I was speaking wrong. I was using my voice wrong. So I would literally go and talk for 45 minutes, completely lose my voice, not be able to swallow because of the the sinus issues. Like, so I had to go through SLP for about two months last year to figure out how to talk again. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah, it does impact you. You don't realize it until you, you know, you start losing that stuff and you're like, wait, like, why can't I talk? (laughs) Like what's going on here? So yeah, that, that is exciting. Um, You know, after school, you graduated um, you know, just tell us about your path that you took coming yeah. right out of school um, and then what led into to where you're at today. Yeah. So I ended up from there, I ended up working in nursing homes and skilled nursing facilities for six years. So I worked with geriatrics. I worked with, you know, patients that had strokes, brain injuries, dementia, things like that. Um, just working with with swallowing disorders and it's really interesting because I think if you had asked me before I started, like, would I ever envision myself working in a nursing home with old people? I would say, like, absolutely not. But I loved it so much. And I think there's there's just something to be said about working with people that have such wisdom on their life. You know, they, they're 70, 80 years old, have lived a wonderful life, and now all of a sudden have this life-altering condition where they can't swallow anymore. So I just loved it. It was so rewarding because they're so grateful for the help. You know, they they're excited for you to come in. They're excited to to do the things that you recommend because they want to get better and they, they want to improve. So I did that for six years. And then my husband took a, took a job across the country. So we relocated. And at the time I was getting really into like swallowing diagnostics. So there's a test that we do called fees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an endoscope that goes in the nose and you're able to just see the airway, uh, see the swallow essentially with a little endoscope camera in the nose. So it's gaining popularity at the times because it's something you could bring into the nursing home. So these, you know, some of these really sick, frail, elderly patients, you don't want to drag them all the way to the nursing home or you don't want to get them in an ambulance, drag them all the way to the hospital to get a different test done. This was just becoming sort of this up and coming test that was a lot more convenient for some, some of these critically ill patients that really couldn't stand the transfer to a different facility. So I just, you know, naively thought I would find a company to work for to do these tests and I found out that at the time we had, we had relocated to Las Vegas, that nothing existed. And I was like, so what are all these patients doing? Like, what? how are they getting access to this test? Like, and just, I think I did maybe, I don't know, about five to six months worth of research and just kept coming up empty. And I was like, okay, so if nobody's doing this, like what's, who says I can't, you know? And I I have zero business background. Like, let me tell you people, <laughs> zero. <laughs> So, you know, luckily my, my husband's wonderful and um, he comes from a business background. His father's owned his own companies for forever. And he was like, yeah, just, you know, find some consultants, get some training, learn what you need to learn and, and start the company. And you'll, you know, you'll be, it'll be hard, but 
you'll feel fulfilled and it'll be great. And so I did. I got the training I needed. I hired some business consultants and, um, you know, within, I, I would say within a year, it was very, very, very successful, way more successful than I ever even thought it could possibly be. So um, I did that for a few years and then we moved back to New York. I got pregnant with my first son, moved back to New York and I started the company all over again from there, from the ground up again. Um, did that for a few years again. And from there, I just sort of realized that there was a, a big need for a lot more education of what we do. So it was interesting because I would have these contracts with these facilities. I would have nursing home administrators understand the value of swallowing tests and swallowing diagnostics. But for some reason, our own speech pathologist, my own field was not recommending these tests. And I was like, there's some sort of really big mismatch here. You know, why do other, other medical professionals, other administrators understand that we need imaging before we can treat something? You know, if you think about you know, a physical therapist, it's, they're not going to just start treating a broken ankle, right? They're going to get an x-ray on it first to see what's wrong with it before they start manipulating it, doing therapy. It's the same thing with us. We want to actually see what's wrong with the swallow before we start doing therapy, you know, recommending all these different diet modifications that may not even be necessary. So I started just educating more and I really only did it. I, I, I thought that I was only going to start educating the speech pathologists that were just sort of in my network that I had had contracted my company with. So I just started writing these blog posts, you know, hey, did you know, like, this is the latest research, this is why this test is necessary. And really just as like a blog is like a newsletter. Um, and they just, I didn't realize that I wasn't just writing to them, that they were sharing them and passing them all over the place. And one of my blog posts got like 30,000 views overnight. So I was like, okay, clearly people want this, <laughs> this information. So I think I blogged for about six months before I just realized like how time consuming it was. And, you know, people would be crappy about grammar and all that stuff. So I was like, you know what, what about a podcast? Like, I think that might be, might be more beneficial in that I could bring on some of my really smart friends and I could bring on researchers in the field and, and have a conversation instead of just me, you know, writing my opinion. So that's where I started the Swallow Your Pride podcast. And I think we just surpassed 4 million downloads, which is yeah. totally crazy that it's just a little podcast about <laughs> swallowing. But, you know, we talk about everything. We I've interviewed patients. I've interviewed other professionals. It's a lot of speech pathologists. It's a lot of researchers that have done groundbreaking work in this field. It's critical care pulmonologists that work with some of these patients. So um, the podcast really just, just spread like wildfire. And I'm so grateful to just be able to get all that education out there for free and just have people have instant access to it. Yeah, no, that's, you know, impressive. Like the imaging thing, I always, I didn't know because I've gone through medical stuff where they don't do imaging and you're like, yeah. why are you not doing this? And as a, as a patient, you don't say anything. And so my first surgery was 20 years ago on my shoulder and like I went in on the off season. So I used to play ice hockey and I went in to the off season and they're like, you're going to have this surgery. You're going to be out for six months and blah, blah, blah. And never did any imaging open me up. I only had like two or three incisions. I was supposed to have six. And I asked the doctor, I was like, what happened? They're like, Oh, it's worse than we thought. Like we didn't really do anything. You have to have reconstructive surgery when you're done playing. I'm like, so basically you just opened me up and I'm going to be off for three months rehabbing. Cause you did cut some stuff. And, and it, all you had to do was an MRI. And yeah. you know, now that my wife, my wife's a PT. So now that 
like I married her and I was like, oh, I, I get it. Cause now you start seeing the insurance side. They didn't want to do the bill. They thought they knew exactly what it was like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like, oh. all right. So now I got her as my, my weapon when I go into the doctors. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about the business. Cause I know you, yeah. you guys, when you're in Vegas, you had started the business, um, was the mobile business you guys were doing. And I, I believe if I recall correctly, you're in like four States. You sold the business and then you, you, if I remember, I donated the proceeds. Yeah, there's a few overlaps here. So yeah. Yeah. Let, let yeah, me talk about that a little bit because yeah, that's pretty yeah, impressive yeah. with the donation and doing all that stuff. So yeah. So the, the podcast, obviously, like I said, was just a really overwhelming success. That just sounds really cheesy to say, but it was, it reached way more people than I ever thought, which is great. It's all, you know, when you put your time and energy into something and you know that it's good information that people can benefit from, you're grateful that people like to listen to it. So from there, I just said, you know, there's such a serious need for more education in this area. So I don't, I don't remember what exactly made me think to start it or I, I tr- it was all a blur, to be honest. I just, <laughs> I just had my son and I just knew that I needed to do something that wasn't clinical. Like I, I, my son has severe special needs. So at the time I I could not go back to work clinically, but I also had at my fingertips, people wanting tons and tons of knowledge. So I started the MedSLP collective, which is a a membership site, a monthly membership site. Uh, We provide resources, we provide webinars, and then also mentorship to medical speech pathologists. Uh, We have over 7,000 members in that now. So it's just grown like totally crazy. And um, yeah, so so that I started, oh gosh, when was that? Maybe five years ago we started that. And sort of it was about two, three years old when COVID hit. And so when COVID hit, the the collective actually like really exploded because so many speech pathologists had no idea what to do with their patients who were coming in either with COVID or post-COVID or had just come off the vent or, you know, we were dealing with medical conditions we had never dealt with before because of COVID. So at the same time, I just had my daughter. I wanted to go back to work clinically, but I couldn't because the collective was exploding and I had to manage all of that at the same time. Um, But I also didn't want to go back to work into a COVID mess, um, you know, working at the hospital. So I just stayed, stayed home with my babies and just kept continuing to grow the collective into what it is. So what happened there was, you know, as my time just kept, you know, being poured into that, I I was still managing my mobile fees business, but I wasn't working. I wasn't out in the nursing homes. And I just was like, I don't know what, how, how I'm going to do all these things. I can't be the CEO (laughs) of this company, be the CEO of this company and, and do it all well. Right. So I had someone approach me, you know, would you be interested in selling this? And I was like, gosh, you know, it's, I'm just a firm believer in in opportunities present themselves when they're meant to happen. And if you had asked me before, if I would have ever considered selling, I would say, absolutely not. Like this, this business is my baby. This is everything. But I loved the person that had, had, had asked me because she's, she's wonderful. And I knew that she would carry on what I had built. And I think that's something that anybody that's built a business, all they really want when they pass it off to somebody is someone that's really going to take what you've built and honor that, right? You don't want them to drive it into the ground or anything like that. So in the meantime, we're trying to figure out, you know, what does this look like if we sell it? And there's obviously what, when you become a business owner, there's a million tax implications. There's all the things that you never realize until you get into this stuff. And I got looking at it and I just, 
I think my accountant had said what the tax liability would be if I sold the company. And I was like, then what's the point? Yeah. And he was like, well, you could just donate all the proceeds. And I was like, I could, I could. And he's like, if you start a nonprofit, you can donate all the proceeds and all of that money goes to an organization instead of, I think it was like 60% or something was going to end up going to taxes and 40% is what I would have been left over with. And at the time I just was like, that doesn't, I don't like that. That doesn't sit right with me. So I'd always wanted to start a nonprofit. I'd always wanted to give back and, and do more, especially, like I said, my son has severe special needs. I'm fortunate enough to be able to, to provide for his needs, but I know so many other people that have kids with these severe special needs and they can't afford a walker. They can't afford the wheelchair that the kids need. Like that's devastating. And so that was important to me. And so when that opportunity presented itself, I said, that's exactly what I want to do. I'll take the proceeds from this company. We'll start a nonprofit for kids with special needs that need equipment and all that money will be there whenever they need it. And I was, you know, making my living off of, off of the other company. So I, you know, it wasn't that I didn't need it, but I didn't need it. And then I just thought that other, you know, if, if these other kids can benefit so much more than that just means so much more to me. So. Yeah. I, I have this thing, you know, like, cause like you said, you're doing multiple things mm-hmm. and you know, I, I've been in workshops where I've made comments to people. Like they asked me like about work-life balance. My comment back to them is there is no such thing as work-life no. balance. Absolutely not. <laughs> there isn't. And they asked me to go deeper. My thing on it is also when you're doing what you love, it's not work. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of stuff that, that I don't like doing. Like you probably don't like doing too. Like, you know, answering like accounting emails and, you know, dealing with the business side of stuff. But then when you realize like, this is what I'm doing, it's not work. Like it's just, having you know fun like it it motivates you every day like you have that for lack of a better word north star right like like i'm helping people like that's mm-hmm. all i'm focused on yeah and so then it because it doesn't become work because it's like well okay great i can't sit there and watch tv for three hours well who cares because that's not helping people that's not my... you don't watch tv people will say what shows do you watch i'm like i don't watch tv <laughs> does that make me am i a dull human being because i don't i just don't i don't know like i I work, I read, I, I don't know. Like I said, does that make me a dull human? I don't know, but I'm subscribed to, yeah. I'm the same way. I don't even have a TV. And, and like I was on a meeting the other day and they all started talking about like Netflix shows. And I was like, I don't have a clue what you guys are talking about. No, no. (laughs) What? (laughs) So little, little strange. They're like looking at me like, what? How do you not know about these shows? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even have a TV guy. I had someone tell me it was sort of like a business mentor, gosh, maybe like five, six years ago. And she said something to me about why would I watch people on TV living out their dreams when I could be working on mine? Mm -hmm. I think that was such a shift to me. I was like, dang, like I never was a big TV watcher, but like, I think it's what people think they have to do at night. Like you come home after work, you have dinner, you sit down and watch TV because that's what 99% 99% of America does. But when I thought of it that way, I was like, no, I don't need to sit down and watch stuff that doesn't, because nothing really interested me. So that's when I really got more into just reading and learning more about things that I love and things that I'm just more passionate about. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up. Somebody just literally said that to me last night about video games. Yeah. 
like they were talking about like in video games people sit down and play video games and they're trying to make their characters more strong more of this more of that it's like well why are you making that fictional thing stronger why don't you go on and do it to yourself yeah like well what are you doing here yeah but yeah we're on the same page it's a shot to the ego yeah <laughs> yeah no i was the same way my my big epiphany because my my background besides finance is also sports so like i worked for the los angeles dodgers when i graduated college like i was really you know knee deep in sports head deep like just everything sports and you know when i left working for the dodgers i kind of just had this like epiphany like I'm wasting so much time watching sports. And that started my whole thing of not watching TV because it's like all I watched on TV was sports. And so yeah. then I stopped watching sports. I'm like, well, why do I even have a TV? Like get rid of that thing. Like, yeah. you know, and then like you said, you replace it with reading and everything else. And it's funny because my wife is like, you know, so much random stuff about random things. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and she's like, how do you know about thermodynamics? I was like, I just got bored one day and bought a thermodynamics book. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I just love learning. I, I don't know. I think people are like, don't you ever get sick of just wanting to know more? And I'm like, no, if, if that's the worst habit that I have is wanting to learn more, like, I think I'm doing okay in life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's two big topics I wanted to touch yeah. on too. Um, all the time. So I look out there now especially with social media. And I see a lot of people out there with like courses about business, right? And you can just do this and just do that. It's all, you know, rainbows and pots of gold at the end of it. And it's like, no, it's, it's not. Like, you know, first of all, there's basically two major humps that I always see people because uh, we talk to a lot of new grads, right? So the first hump is getting over the fear of getting started. And then the second hump is like, what happens when shit hits the fan, right? Yeah. So, I mean, talk about both of those. First of all, like just getting started. Like, what did you face on that? Like the the second guessing of yourself, like, should I be doing this? All that type of stuff and share that with everybody. Because again, a lot of people that are graduating, they want to do these things, but it's like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, I, I think... Gosh, I think that's the hard part. I think because now, now that I think about it, it's been almost 10 years since I started my first company and we had social media, but it wasn't as rampant and violent and angry as it, as it is now. So I think I, I went into it. I don't want to say naive, but I didn't think I, I knew some sort of some of the roadblocks that I was going to hit, but I'm glad that I didn't. And to be honest, this is a sort of non-conventional answer, but I don't want to share what those are with people because I think people hear things and they stop themselves before they even get started. Yep. And nothing in life is easy. Nothing in life is handed to you. It, it's, it's, you have to choose your heart. And I really, I like that saying because it, there, it could be hard in your nine to five job. It could be hard starting a business. There's hard things that everybody goes through, but I think what served me well was really not having huge expectations. It was, I want to help people. I want to create this business. I don't know exactly what it looks like. I think some people derail themselves or get really defeated if it doesn't go the way that they thought that it should, instead of maybe leaning on mentors or, I mean, I've had mentors, I've had business coaches since the day I started at any one point, I have two or three business mentors and they they are the ones that will help you avoid some of the huge roadblocks or say, you know, I know you really want to go this path, but this path is wide open and calling you like, why don't you try try something new? So I think that's like the biggest piece of advice I can give is just not to be married 
to one, one topic or one area, you know, put yourself out there. But when you do, that's going to reveal itself to you as to, oh yes, this is what people want from you, or this is how you can help the most amount of people and just keep following that. And, and I think that's what I've done well is I've been good at pivoting. So, you know, like obviously COVID was something no one ever expected, but we pivoted the company majorly to meet those needs and it, and it helped us, you know, tenfold. So I think just sort of going, I don't want to say go with the flow because you do have to have goals. You do have to have a vision, but don't be afraid to pivot. If something, if a different avenue opens up, don't beat yourself up over neglecting or, or, you know, getting rid of your first plan or your first idea. It's what really business is all about. It's constantly evolving. You know, I mean, look at even some of these big restaurants and did they ever think that like Uber Eats or DoorDash was going to take over? You know, it's like, you have to pivot with, with the times and yeah, if that answered your question or if I just went totally no, it, 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 it does too, because, you know, I'll give examples with like Fitbooks because it goes exactly to what you were saying. Like we wanted to build this bigger vision, right. Of this financial, like this entire platform where you never leave, need to leave it. You can do everything from your planning to banking and everything. That's always been the vision. Right. But when we first created the algorithm, it was like, oh, student loan refinancing is hot. Let's use the algorithm for that first, right? So we launched a company for like two years. All we were using the algorithm with was trying to underwrite loans and trying to get lenders to use it. And and then we started doing workshops just about money. And students were just like, this is way more valuable than refinancing. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I misread the market on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, let's go into student loans. Right. Then, but not, not necessarily that you misread it as opposed to it's just something else revealed itself to you yes. that you were like, crap, I never would have thought of that. You know? Yeah, and it was like, let's speed up the whole business plan. So let's go do student loans. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden COVID hit and everything went on for forbearance for student loans. And I was like, well, oh shit, everything we just built, we can't really even use it right now. So yeah. let's speed up the business plan again and get start building this part out now. Like, so yeah, and that, the, the fear side of even getting started, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around because I hear all the time, well, what if I lose this or what if I lose that? Like, mm -hmm. because I came like yourself, I, I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. like before I got married, I sat down with my wife and I said, you got to understand something. Like there's a chance that, it, that I do something, I come home and I was like, pack your bags because we're broke. We have nothing. Like, that's just the way I, I don't have a fear of that. I don't care. Like, whatever. I, I know if I really need money, I'll go get a job and we'll go get money. Yeah. And at the same time though, people are just so fearful of like, well, if I lose this or if I lose that, or if I lose this and it's like, yeah. what, you're going to lose your nine to five job too, potentially. Like you can get fired from that. Like what, yeah. what's the big deal? So yeah. I think for uh, me, it was always just like, I, I didn't grow up like this, so I don't know where, where I learned this stuff, but I was like, I would rather bet on me any day. Like I've just always been such a hard worker. I'm really scrappy and that I just don't like no for an answer. I will figure it out. I'm so tenacious when it comes to problem solving. And that was it for me. Like I just said, okay, you know, my husband and I decided on the seed money that was going to go into building my companies. And you know, he's like, if we lose all of this, we lose all of this and it's, it's okay. And it's okay. But what's your plan if this all goes south and we lose all of this. And I said, I go back to work nine to five. And he's like, that's what you'll do. And so that was always in the back of my head for the first few years. Like, what if this doesn't work out? And I was like, if it doesn't work out. I'm just going to go back to work. And, and it was like, that freedom, like just knowing that you have options and, and is that what you want to do? It probably isn't, but it was enough for me to say, it's okay. It's okay to take risks. Like it's, yeah. And exactly what you said, there's people that, you know, in the last few years, especially in healthcare have gotten laid off 
from what they thought were their really sustainable jobs or people have had to take pay cuts and that sucks after committing so many years to something. So there's risks, there's benefits in every opportunity that you pursue. And, and I just, I, it makes me so sad when people talk themselves out of doing something before they even attempt to do it. Or when people say, have family members or have friends that'll say, well, that'll never work or you'll never be that person. And it's like, you truly don't know until you start and just getting started. And, and one of my most favorite sayings is action breeds clarity, just getting started, getting the wheels in motion. You figure out what people want. You figure out what fills you up. You figure out how you can help people. Yep, absolutely. And and there's a topic that you brought up in there that I want you to expand a little bit more on because it's something that, you know, I've really learned over the last, you know, five to 10 years is that, you know, you can't do it by yourself. And those mm-hmm. of you that you know, are familiar with like Napoleon Hill, for example. If you don't know who Napoleon Hill is, he wrote Think and Grow Rich back in like the like 1920s or something like that. And one of his big things was, you know, I, I don't like this word now because of what it's become, but he's like, you have to have a mastermind group. And now mastermind, you see that word all over the internet and stuff. But, yeah. but it's from Napoleon Hill. And his whole thing was you had to have mentors and you had to have people around you that are on the same page to get you there. You can't do it by yourself. And that was a big lesson that I had to learn because I was just like, like, what are you going to provide me? Like, I can do this. Like, I don't need you. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, you do need people. So like you brought up the mentors, like, you know, just talk a little bit about like how you found them, like yeah. what were you looking to a mentor, what was the benefit from them and, and whatever else you can, you know, whatever light you can shine on that. Yeah, gosh, I've been I've been a part of all of it. I've been in group coaching programs. I've been in big masterminds. I've been I've done private business coaches. I've done it all. I think right now I have a private business coach and I'm in a mastermind and I'm in two other group coaching programs. So I'm a, a learning junkie, if you haven't realized. But I think it's really whatever whatever you think will suit you best at the time. You know, right now I'm just at this sort of point in my career where I just want to learn it all. I want to know what's out there and I want to do what's best for the patients and the people that we serve. And I think there was a few years there when I had my kids that, you know, going through obviously pregnant labor, you know, postpartum, I I really had to narrow down what I could absorb (laughs) learning wise. So I just had a private one-on-one business coach that, you know, I met with once a week and just sort of kept me on track. And I think that's it. You know, there's accountability there. There's, you know, like you said, people can tell you sort of the roadblocks to avoid, or a lot of times, you know, I'm big in analysis paralysis. I'll just convince myself that this is the best thing to do, or this is what I have to do. And they'll say, no, 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 let, you know, try this option. So I, I would literally be nothing if it wasn't for the mentors that I've invested in the coaches that I've invested in. I know I, it really, it really drives me nuts when people bash business coaches and mentors and things online, because just because someone isn't your cup of tea doesn't mean they haven't helped so many other people. And I'm just a very, you know, be a smart consumer. And and if this person doesn't strike your fancy as someone that you want to invest your time with, then don't, you know, and, and look, look elsewhere. And and I, I agree. The term mastermind is really, it's weird. Um, but I love it for what it is. And I think I love it because I've made friendships with people that I never would have made friendships with of people that are going through the exact same scenarios that I am that people don't talk about publicly, right? You don't, you know, people will will show the highs and lows of businesses, but they don't see how it affects your family or, 
you know, how it affects you just get this bajillion dollar tax bill. Like these are things that people don't talk about. And so to be surrounded by others that are going through the same exact thing, it's, it's a lot of just moral support, to be honest. And so I think that's what's so valuable about it too, but also just to learn, you know, I, I'm in one mastermind right now that I just love and it's, um, you know, I don't really subscribe to like the, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. I'm not like on board with like the, the women power thing. I, I just, I don't think it matters. Like if you, if you're a woman and you want to go build a business, go big, go build one. Like you don't have to, I don't know, but anyways, this, this is all women's group, but it's all moms. Yeah. And and I, if you ask me if I'd be in some mom business group someday, I would say absolutely not. But what's valuable about it is, you know, we've tried different things or, you know, how do you manage picking up the kids when you're supposed to be gone for eight days? You know, these are things that just people don't talk about. And as, as mothers and as CEOs of companies, it's things you, you, you know, can you do it all? Yeah. But there's things that drop, there's balls that drop, you need help, you need a support system. And, and those are things that people just don't talk about otherwise, other than, than being in these, these certain business groups. So they've helped me so much. I, and I'm also in a real, a, like, I think I'm one of like three girls in this like very big masculine guys business group too. But I, I like the stuff that they talk about as far as business and finances and taxes and accounting. So, so it's, it's all valuable to me. Yeah. Good old taxes and accounting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even want to go off on that topic. Mm. I start getting. No, no, let's not. About taxes. <laughs> um, good stuff. Uh, any final, final words of, you know, just encouragement or anything else that you would want to want to share? I think just keep going, keep going. And, and I say that because I've, I've come across some hard things in the last few years and if you quit, you quit, right? If you quit, you don't know what is on the other side. If you quit, you don't know what you're capable of. You don't know how many people you could have helped, how many lives you could have impacted. If you need to slow down, if you need to back off for a little bit, that's okay. Um, you know, I, I know that people, and I'm guilty of it too, subscribing to hustle culture and constantly working 24 seven. And, and I do work probably way more than so many people that I know, but it's my choice right now. I'm just in a very busy season. I'm also working on my PhD and I'm building a separate company as well. So I just know that it's a season I'm in right now. And is it sustainable? No, but I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to keep showing up every day and keep putting one foot in front of the other and things might not go my way. But um, that's just something that really successful people have told me is that, you know, you're, you've done good work. You continue to do good work. Just keep going. So I think that's the season of life I'm in right now. So that's what I'll share with everybody else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And share with everybody, you know, where they can find you at, websites, yeah. podcasts, all that type of blog, Instagram, Facebook, everything. Where can they yeah, find so, you at? Yeah, so I have just TeresaRichard.com is the hub for all my stuff. My book, So You're Having Trouble Swallowing, is on Amazon and, and Barnes & Noble. I think all some of the other places too. Um, the podcast is Swallow Your Pride. It's on all podcast platforms. I do have a YouTube channel that is growing. I don't, is that, I thought it might just be Teresa Richard. <laughs> I don't know the name of that, but, um, and then I'm also on Instagram at Teresa Richard SLP is where I post all podcasts and YouTube things as well. So I'm always, I, I love when people reach out. I love having conversations with people about anything business or patients. I love connecting. I, I'm a really good people connector. If you're a patient with a swallowing impairment and you need to be linked up with somebody in your area. That's something I, I really have a big long-term vision about doing is getting patients the help that they need. That's the fundamental basis for everything I do. So, yeah. So if, if you're an SLP, you know, listening to this, 
John to Teresa. And I know there's a lot of other like PTs and PAs and everybody else that's listening. It all falls into the same buck, even though it's a different profession. It's still, you know, some of the stuff that you can learn, you know, just from the business side of things. If you're looking just from that side, mentorship groups, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. reach out to her. She's fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Thank, it's been thank fun. you so much for so, the invite. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks. See you later.